1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Hello, listeners of the Bird Gang Blitz. Welcome back. Uh, My name is Blake Murphy. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Venerable. Johnny, how are you doing tonight? We had a Cardinals loss to talk about to the Rams, unfortunately, for the second time this season.
2: Yeah, Blake, I'm doing well. Thank you. And uh, looking to be a little bit of a trend uh, losing to these LA Rams uh, have now lost three of four, dating back to last season, and uh, the scores are getting less and less competitive, unfortunately.
0: yeah, ain't that the truth? So let's start and talk about this game a little bit, because this was just an area where the clearest mismatch in the game was between the Rams' offense versus James Betcher's defense, and especially just how they were, even though Jared Goff didn't attempt a lot of deep throws even though they really didn't have like the big play you were looking for more came on the ground with screen passes. It came more just with exploiting a lot of it. Let's talk about the, the zone D and also just the terrible early start Arizona got off. into. it felt like after Buddha Baker came back and said, to Bruce Arians that he took the ball away, there was not a clear, concise angle. I felt like that after that point where they didn't get that call go their way, that everything just kind of went downhill from the team from there, um, Rams drive down for a score, Gabbert throws an interception. Uh, let, let, let's talk a little about that poor start and then just how the Rams are able to kind of keep driving down the field and how the Rams' offense just really kind of exposed Betcher in that defense.
2: Yeah, it was probably the worst-case scenario in terms of how this game could have started for the Cardinals. You look back at the Jacksonville game of a week ago, Cardinals were able to jump out to an early lead and kind of ride that momentum into the second half and and to the fourth quarter even. And those are the kind of games that the Cardinals are going to have to play if they're going to be competitive down the stretch. This team, needless to say, with with Blaine Gabbert, with the lack of skill positions outside of Larry Fitzgerald, um, is not built to play from behind. So you knew, you know, you got the number one offense coming into this game and a defense that is getting better each week led by Wade Phillips. Um, Just the the kind of start that they had was just a, a disastrous place to be Uh, and then we saw bad Blaine Gabbard show up with a couple early interceptions now I do think he he calmed down as the game went on but yeah you you touched on it Blake to to open the show we knew that the Cardinals defense would be up for a tall task Um, basically having to shut down not only the Ram running game which has been you know super effective this year but Jared Goff even without the likes of Robert Woods he has become so effective spreading the ball around I counted you know, two or three players with three or more catches. Sammy Watkins, um, I know he had the one touchdown. Uh, he had three receptions. Cooper Cup had five receptions. And then the stand out of the game offensively for the Rams, Todd Gurley, with six receptions for 84 yards on top of 19 carries for 74 yards. He's somebody who is cementing himself as just not only an elite runner in this game, but a complete back. And that's something that really has helped, I think, Jared Goff's development, being able to check that ball down. And um, the, biggest, the biggest notice I saw within this game was the fact that the Cardinals were unable outside of one Chandler Jones sack to get any kind of pressure on Jared Goff. And to me, you know, he's not super mobile. Uh, he's athletic because, you know, it's his second year in the league, but you see he's a traditional pocket passer. And so when he gets time, he's, he's incredibly accurate. He can throw a little bit on the move. Um, but again, he was given so much time this week, whereas, you know, in the contrast, Blaine Gabbert... Who is mobile was sacked six times and he was uncomfortable, and you turn the ball over. You got to force Jared Goff into situations where he's not comfortable. Then, you know, obviously he'll be less accurate. And the Cardinals weren't able to do that. And part of the reason is that they are just not talented enough along their D line and in their linebacking core outside of Chandler Jones to generate any kind of pressure. I was surprised that the Cardinals didn't blitz more, um, but needless to say, I don't know if it would have helped or not because of how much this defense was struggling, you know, you're in a 16 to nothing hole going into the second quarter. Um, You know, I know that he threw, you know, the pick six, that's not on the defense, but at the same time, you just never felt like they were able to come up with that big stop in this game. And the fact that the Cardinal offense really didn't ever get going consistently outside of, you know, a couple scores in the second quarter. um, This was a day to forget if you're a Cardinal fan and unfortunately it looks like a, a trend of things to come.
0: Definitely, yeah. The, when you're talking about just not with the defense stopping, for me, a lot of it came down to the play calling, not just on uh, offensively. I thought that Bruce Arians actually did a, a good job in not just taking the pressure off of Blaine Gabbert with being able to, they, they at least found something in the run game that worked and that was what allowed them to, to climb and kind of crawl back into the game. But It was more of just recognizing there'd be times where you would see just a perfect play that would be called by Sean McVay where you'd see that the Cardinals would bring a blitz, Tyron Matthew blitzed off the edge and they had already drawn up a play call exactly to that side of being able to have a check down to Todd Gurley he takes it down with a blocker for about 30 plus yards downfield it was just recognizing that this is a game in which they're getting they got out coached and even when they had chances for a defensive stand it's a fourth down um, they had the Cardinals have a chance to make a stand one-on-one coverage um, it's just a well-placed call at least Buda Baker is just the ball was just perfect Buda did about everything that he could he was still beat a little off the line by the tight end but it was just an area where you have to tip your hats to the Ram for, Rams for uh, for what they've done. They basically took advantage of it. And uh, I, I tip my hats in the other end uh, to Bruce Arians for just the fact that the Cardinals were able to make this a game. Like the, the, you saw that there was a missed extra point. They were able to kind of kind of crawl back into it. it was only a one score game. Uh, and they were able to at least establish a running game with a, a guy like Kerwin-Williams, but I never really felt that they were in it. And when it came down to it in the end, you have a chance to basically make it a one-score game. There's still plenty of time left in the fourth quarter. And it was almost like, according to clockwork, uh, you have a blocked kick. Uh, from what we looks like, at least from this is something that's kind of the NFL uh, reached out with Bruce Arians today, they should have had a penalty because they're a long snapper. Uh, apparently he was down and in a defenseless position. But – this is whether it was poor, whether you can talk about strength or with coaching they put it in the execution, but this is an area where if the player is getting blown off the ball, Amos Jones needs to find some way at least to try to adjust where it's not that player being isolated. And again, for the second time, where you saw the Seahawks, you know, guy player jumps over player. All right, well, maybe we should make an adjustment to be able to have that happen a second time. Again, second time player leaps over another player should have been called wasn't called you got to be able to make those types of adjustments the fact that they're not making them is part of why you started to see Steve kind turn on uh Amos Jones he barely talked about him at least in the interview just said if we're disappointed with it and then we'll leave it at that uh, this is kind of in the case where you can we can see all we've talked about this season they're losing games now specifically because of special teams and uh I think that's important at least to just note that if we do end up seeing um next year with Amos Jones this is probably his last year Um, something at least we looked up at appears that his contract is going to be up at the end of this year Uh, I don't believe he's going to be able to get that contract renewed Um, it'll probably be easier at least uh, I don't think you'll see a firing um, because he is going to have that contract up I do think that you'll at least have to see some type of restructuring going into next year because if the Cardinals come back and try the same type of roster out another year with Palmer with uh, uh, Fitzgerald coming back if you've got the same uh, the same team it's just going to be an area where you're just setting yourself up to fail for a second year in a row and it just is something where you know it's not that it just can't continue but then you'll start talking about not just whether Bruce Arians is going to retire but you'll you know you'll start mentioning whether Steve is actually going to start um, having questions about his seat getting warm, at least just for these decisions, because it is ultimately his team. Michael Bidwell's entrusted it to him. Let's go in and talk a little bit about what we saw from some of the rookies, um, Kerwin Williams especially. The man played through a rib injury that, uh, for me, I would probably have a hard time just working at a desk job having to go through. Ricky Seals Jones, again, he probably would have had his third touchdown in a get, uh, another game if Blaine Gabbert hadn't sailed his pass. He was wide open heading towards the end zone. Uh, we've also at least been able to see the return of Taron Matthew. Again, we're talking about this and it's almost like the Cardinals have gotten in a sense, maybe another first round pick back, just if he keeps playing at this rate, uh, what were some of the other standouts and the highlights that you saw from this, uh, from the Rams game?
2: Yeah, you mentioned them. There's not too many. Ricky Seals Jones was actually the highest rated tight end via pro football focus this week, not the highest rookie tight end, but the highest rated tight end over you know the likes of Gronk and um, some of the other elite tight ends in the league. So uh, not based on his production on the stat sheet, only two catches for 44 yards, but the fact that he could have had much more if the Cardinals had, you know, a semi-accurate quarterback. So hopefully that that is a trend uh, that's going to continue for the young man going into, you know, the latter part of this season. And, and next year he can be a focal point in this offense, given a full offseason, uh, You forget he's still a rookie and uh, should be lumped in with this rookie class, which now looks semi-promising with the likes of Buda Baker who had um, eight solo tackles, I believe, a tackle for loss and a pass uh, defended.
1: Tremendous he, is yet by again. Far,
2: yeah, he is by far the uh, biggest contributor from the draft class of 2017. Uh, on the flip side, not much from Hassan Redick, Robert Candici, Uh The last two first-round picks for the Arizona Cardinals made next to no impact. Kandichi I think, did have one quarterback hit, but other than that, he, he's just a, been a complete non-factor Um, But, you know, I'm hoping that the Cardinals are going to be able to showcase him in the last couple games and he gets increased playing time. There's no reason now that they're, you know, considering they're out of the playoff hunt that these young guys like Reddick and Kimdichi should be playing consistently. Uh, Josh Prines had another quality start. Uh, I think he's somebody maybe they look to bring back via depth role next year Ideally, you'd like to see Dayon and Hassan man the inside linebacker position, but at the same time, you know, both of those guys have been inconsistent this year. Dayon with, with the injuries and, and Reddick still learning the position. And then Chandler Jones, you know, he was tremendous again. He had the only sack of the game. Yeah, I think he had three quarterback hits. Um, he is in route to, I'm, I'm assuming, the Pro Bowl and uh, should be in strong consideration for the All Pro team this year and is by far the most disruptive front seven player that the Cardinals have and really the only pass rusher that this team has at the moment um the rest of the defense was so so Uh, i thought the cardinals did a nice job shutting down uh the running game for the rams uh they were held to you know 100 100 yards rushing as the team they averaged under four yards a carry um so they did a nice job in compared to you know the um the game in london when i think Gurley ran for about 120 130 yards but in contrast, uh, Jared Goff was incredibly effective and had a 96 quarterback rating. And like I talked about earlier, you know, spread the ball around. The Cardinals did have uh, the one interception from Kareem Martin. He just jumped up and made a play. Uh, so you see that he is you know super athletic, but at the same time, just cannot rush the passer for the life of him. I thought he had a nice preseason where he had uh, a couple sacks. I thought that, that would carry over to this year, and he could kind of be you know the third pass rusher in a rotation with Golden and Chandler Jones. Uh, same to the extent that, you know, Alex Okafor had last year that just hasn't come, come to pass. He's been starting, uh, alongside Hassan and just has made no impact. So uh, that's unfortunate, but again, not a lot of positives on this defense. And I know that, you know, they gave up, you know, they didn't give up the pick six. So theoretically they only gave up 25 points, but this is a unit that just continually lets the team down. They routinely give up scores after the Cardinals are able to put points on the board. And that's completely demoralizing for this team right now, because they're going to, you know, find ways to, to, to take small victories where, wherever they can get them. And so, you know, when they put up, finally do put up seven and for the defense to kind of fold over, like you said, Blake, that's a reflection on the coaching. They just don't have that killer instinct mentality that, you know, they had with Todd Bowles, who coincidentally is talking about a, an extension with the New York jets, but uh, between the special teams and the lack of intensity on defense And the limitations that the Cardinals offense has right now, there's just not too many bright spots.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of where when you look at the this team right now, with Chandler Jones, he's been having an outstanding season, but with how the Rams have been set up as a team where they're built around their offensive line, they're built around their run game, uh, they're built around just being able to find and exploit mismatches down the field. They're able to find some of those with their tight end. Uh, I believe they had a tight uh, touchdown, at least I believe, and then they looked for a guy in Josh Reynolds who's a mismatch, but the passes were inaccurate. I felt like you were watching a Rams team that – even though that they were clearly the superior team, it wasn't a Rams team that was, let's say like this dominant juggernaut, like a new England Patriots team. But I felt like it was a Cardinals offense that in some ways, at least it's just, it's not there yet to where they need to be. In Some ways it seems like they were limiting themselves. Um, you get to at least see at least some of the flashes that are there, at least as far as for the potential. I do think that this is an area where, um, when you're talking about with Todd Bowles and changing the coordinator, but keeping the scheme, I do question if we are going to end up seeing, um, if we would see improvements uh, I, I did, at least I tweeted this out a little bit earlier on um, just doing some little bit of research. Uh, we had with the original, um, with the Cardinals team as it was in 2015 they basically had only three games i believe that season where they allowed more than uh, 30 points a game their defense was just locked down they had uh keeping teams down with low scoring games when they did have a high scoring game they were able to pull that out with having a this high flying offense it wasn't like they were blowing teams out they would sometimes have you know that uh, 20 to 17 win but they would still have their defense was kind of the superstar of that team. That was the Todd, that was the year after Todd Bowles had left in twenty fourteen. So a lot of those same players in in house and in place. The next year in twenty sixteen we got to see it change where it was five and five. So you had five games that you know you score, I believe it was uh eight. It was either 7 or 8 that one year in 2015, that year of the magical season. The next year was 5 and 5. So you got to see the Cardinals' defense gave up a lot more points for 30 points, but they still had enough offense they were putting together. Makes some sense. You still have Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. This year it's been where you're already seeing a 5 and 5, where the Cardinals' offense is, uh, I believe you're already seeing five games, and it's only three games. So when you look at that, it start 2015, you get to see a trend and a pattern here. You're trending downward each year in being able to hold teams down. And you're also seeing a downward trend in offense, you're not able to put up the same number of points you were before. So that's just a huge area I think that needs to be improved with the Cardinals. And I do think some of that is coaching. I think that some of it also is you're not replacing talent as quickly as you're losing it. And that's something that is very evident here. Uh, let's talk at least just a little bit about the end of the season. Right now, the Cardinals, we have a five and second re- seven record. We kind of looked at it being about four and eight or so. They had a great win over the Jaguars. Um, what do you think that their end record is going to be? You got games coming up against the Titans. You got games up against the Giants. Uh, and then again, against Seattle, you think they're going to go eight and eight is possible. This is more of a six and 10, maybe even a five and 11 team that we're looking at.
2: Yeah, I think that they've got maybe one more victory, you know, up their sleeve, and that's certainly going to come at home. They're not going to win another road game this year. Washington, uh, I know that they've been decimated by injuries, but that's a very talented team with Kirk Cousins manning the show. And it's a road uh, and, game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is an
0: early start road game. There's no way they're going to win that game. Lately. No, on
2: the East Coast, yeah, they'll they'll lose that game by double digits, absolutely. And then uh, you look at the the Seattle game. It'll be great to have a you know a healthy Carson Palmer to be able to to end his Cardinal career with another victory in Seattle. I believe he is three and zero in those games. So uh, I think that they have a chance to beat the giants, but the giants are bringing back Eli Manning now. And if they were facing Geno Smith or maybe a Davis Webb, I'd say that it was a sure victory, but you know, the giants I think are going to be more competitive now with Eli back. I think they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. I think that with Ben McAdoo out of the fold, I think that they're going to be competitive. It would be pretty funny for them to win uh, two or three. I mean, the giants toward the end of the year and and play themselves right out of the Darnold Allen sweepstakes. But um, I could see the Cardinals losing out quite frankly. I just, they're so limited offensively. Uh, And then the defense just continuing to let this team down. I, I think they'll win one more and go six and 10. Um, But it won't be to the effect of, you know, playing well each game and having momentum going into next year. I mean, it was a pretty demoralizing game at home against the Rams. And I know they're one of the best teams in football. I don't want to downplay the Rams and what they've done this year. But Jared Goff still is a second-year quarterback. McVay's a first-year head coach. Bruce Arians is a veteran, you know, coach in this league and has seen everything. Uh, But when you're starting Blaine Gabbard as your quarterback, when you're trotting out, you know, a backfield with Kerwin Williams with busted up ribs, and I know he ran effectively when your receiving core is Larry Fitzgerald, you know, an undrafted rookie tight end and a a bunch of guys who can't catch, you're not going to be able to put up, put up a much of a fight against anybody. And so I think that's why it's especially depressing because the defense has the big names and they're not producing. So you're not going to be able to rely on that unit and, God, I don't even want to mention the, the horrific special teams uh, like you touched on earlier. So I think they get one more win, whether it's this weekend, whether it's against the Giants, and, and that'll probably be it.
0: Yeah, for me, what's most demoralizing, this is a team that hasn't given up yet. This is a team that's still fighting and still is, you can see that even especially in their defense. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, like the Cardinals team, they only held the Rams to 25 points. Two of those were end of the game field goals. So if you take those six points off, this is a, the defense effectively outside of Blaine Gabbert's pick six would have held them to under 20 points. And this is one of the top offenses in the league. And the fourth quarter, when you're kicking that field goal, you've got a chance with a division leader to be only one touchdown on them in the fourth quarter that's one of those things where you can say that's a, an accomplishment it's tremendous, but you also can look at, at the same time and say, you never really felt like they were in that game. And once they missed that field goal and it was still a double digit lead, the Rams just go right down, score another point there. You see, it's not just going to be a two score game. It's a two touchdown game. You just knew that it was going to be over. This team did not have the ability and fight to come back in it. And that's probably what was most disappointing was that this is a team that still is out there. Not like it's a team that's given up and is fully turned to 2018 yet, but it's just a team that does not have the ability to get there. Uh, I also would agree with you. I think that six and 10 seems to make the most sense. Um, I think w- when you look at the upcoming game, at least we'll, we'll preview the Titans game in a bit, but you just take a look at how things have been stacking up across the league, and it doesn't seem to really go in their favor. You got a Giants team with uh, their pass rush that is picked up and is still strong, that some of the younger receivers are starting to turn around a bit. Uh, you're starting to take a look at how the Seahawks are going to be um, in position for uh, a wild card. They're not going to be in position for a playoff. I find. Maybe they the one of anything to play for, but you're starting to see kind of that maybe the things that could have swung the Cardinals way at one point going in with the, Jag- with the Jaguars game. Adrian Peterson's out for another week. Maybe it starts start swinging back the other way. Uh, Dan Buchanan's not able to get back onto the field. Uh, Josh Bynes has played well, but it's just an area where you can't really help be uh, down on this team. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some, a lot of questions we've been talking about as far as it comes to Bruce Arians with his retirement. Will he beat the Cardinals head coach in 2018? We'll tell you our thoughts next here on the Bird Gang Blitz.
1: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
0: Welcome back into the Bird Gang Blitz here. Uh, John, let's talk about Bruce Arians. Uh, He's been, at this point, I believe he ultimately passed Ken Wisenhunt as far as for uh, winning as coach, uh, as far as for the time frame being. Is he going to be back in 2018? We've heard all sorts of stuff about this as far as for questions. Uh, First of all, what is your thoughts about will he be back? And second, do you think that he should be back with this team in 2018?
2: Yeah, I know he's mentioned it, and it's been asked by the media, and they should continue to ask it. Uh, And I would pressure Arians as much as I could to get a straight answer. And the fact that he came out and said that it's going to be a decision that really will will go through his wife. Uh, I think if she told him that you can continue coaching if it if it's something that you're interested in, if it continues to make you happy, um, I still think Bruce is going to retire at the end of the season. I think that. Basically, the way this team is is set up and, and formulated for the next couple of years, they are in desperate need of a franchise quarterback, and that individual is going to need to come through the NFL draft. and Arians was quoted in his book saying that when he got the job, he you know spoke to Steve Kime about acquiring a franchise quarterback like Carson Palmer, and basically summed it up to the notion that you know I don't have time to develop a rookie quarterback. I want to win now, and I can respect that he made the Cardinals more than viable he made them a Super Bowl contender in a short period of time and will forever be thankful of of what he was able to do Uh, I think the biggest knock on him is the fact that he and Steve during that period didn't think to um, use a couple resources via the draft to stabilize that quarterback position behind Carson Palmer because you've seen how you know immobile he is and injury prone and so effectively he's been your coach since 2013 and there's been no succession plan in place outside of a, you know, a fourth round pick, late fourth round pick spin on Logan Thomas, which really isn't much of anything. Uh, the closest thing, and this is kind of sad at this point, is the fact that they signed Blaine Gabbert and they, they've teased the fact that he could be back next year. So no succession plan is in place. And if, who knows, if Arians had, had put one in place and right now we'd be starting a young quarterback, I don't even want to speculate who that would be from a, a previous draft he may want to come back and say, I would, I'd like to give it a go with this young man. I'd like to revamp the roster a little bit, but there's just, there's nobody like that in place that that individual is not on the team yet. It's going to be coming up in, in April. We're going to have to find one. Hopefully fingers crossed they make the right choice. But I just think that with, with how old Bruce is and how old Bruce was at the time that the Cardinals hired him, you know, I remember speaking with my dad about the hiring And the biggest knock on Bruce, even when he won coach of the year with with Indianapolis and it gave the Cardinals great press coming into that hiring, he was the last coach to be hired in in January of 2013, the age factor. I mean, you you just knew that there was a shelf life with Bruce. And so I I can appreciate him trying to bring the only Lombardi trophy to Phoenix, uh, to the Cardinal franchise uh, in that short period of time. It just, it didn't happen, but we got, you know, multiple competitive seasons uh, plenty of, of quality sound bites and uh, Bruce is probably thought of as if not the greatest coach in Cardinal history right there uh, with some of the past they've had Corey L comes to mind obviously Wisenhut needs to be regarded as one of the better coaches just because of his Super Bowl run so uh, it's unfortunate that it that it ends like this but you know what we, we're seeing it with Eli Manning we're seeing it with, with a lot of people Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl but he was you know, decimated in terms of what he could do physically. Eli Manning's going to get shipped out of New York. Tom Coughlin was asked to leave. It, it doesn't end well for for everybody. Not everybody's going to have the opportunity to win a win a Super Bowl and uh, retire and, and go off into the sunset. I think that if he would have won a Super Bowl last year or the year before, I think he would have entertained the idea of retirement. I think the same can be said for Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald. Unfortunately, we're going to go into this off with with minimal you know answers. But my expectation is he's going to retire, and I think he should retire. I think the Cardinals need to pair whomever they draft in April uh, with a young offensive mind to the same degree that Philadelphia is doing, uh, the L.A. Rams are doing. Um, I think that, you know, you look at the pairings in the landscape of quarterback and head coach within the NFL and the guys that are successful, why is Cam Newton struggling? He's got a defensive head coach. Why has it taken Russell Wilson so long to become what he is right now and they've leaned on that defense? It's got a defensive head coach, but you know, the fact that the Cardinals are probably the only team in the NFC that doesn't have a, you know, a succession plan at quarterback outside of maybe new Orleans uh, is a little bit depressing and it's something that they're going to have to face. And we'll touch on it later in this podcast, but uh, Bruce Arians was never going to come here and um, you know, outside of the fact that maybe if the Cardinals had, you know, the first or second overall pick when Wentz or Goff came out, uh, he was never going to develop a rookie quarterback, and, and uh, I think that that's going to hurt this franchise long term, but hopefully it doesn't overshadow what he's done uh, in the few years that he's been head coach of this team.
0: No, yeah, no, definitely. Well, Russell Wilson, you know, he's also been saddled with an offensive coordinator who decided to throw it, you know, instead of running in the Super Bowl. But that's that's a whole other. Absolutely,
2: it pays <laughs> to it pays to have a young offensive mind paired with your franchise quarterback. It just makes all the difference. You think about all the meetings, all the time that's spent between those individuals, and the fact that you want consistency and the individuals that that pan out in this league, those pairings. Uh, make a difference. You see that, you know, Matt Ryan had a great rapport with Kyle Shanahan. The moment he leaves, he goes back to his usual, you know, good, not great, not elite, not MVP caliber self. Uh, you wonder if, if Atlanta could they have, you know, kept Kyle Shanahan. It's the same reason why Dirk Cutter was elevated to Jameis Winston's head coach after they fired, I believe it was not Lovey Smith. Was it Lovie Smith that got fired before Dirk Cutter?
0: Uh, no, I think it was um, – I think it was Lovey, actually. They, I, I remember that there was uh, – I remember, though, I think it was with the – I can not remember if it was the Bears or so, but there was the 10-6 and 6 season at least for that one Then went south. But I do remember that being the case because they were so concerned that Jameis Winston needed to have an offensively-minded head coach who would be able to have that consistency because Cutter was going to start to get other head coach interviews. Absolutely. And that was part of what they wanted to keep with that consistency. Uh, one thing at least just also to touch on what you're talking about with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons – one thing that people are, and this is what I was pointed out a little bit ago, one thing people aren't talking about as much is just um, who is his, uh, who's kind of his quarterback coach. Matt LaFleur was the guy who was the quarterback coach for them here. He is now the Rams offensive coordinator. So if you start taking a look at as far as when you're talking about pairing young offensive minds with defensive um, head coaches, you start looking at who are the guys who have had the most of success, success has followed them wherever they've gone. That's one of those guys where if you're looking for that, Bruce was originally one of those guys. The issue with him was he was always a lot older. He was in his 60s. Um, You talk about a guy who was in uh, the defensive version of Bruce and a Mike Zimmer. He's probably going to get a coach of the year nod if it wasn't for Sean McVay and the work that he's done in that turnaround. Mike Zimmer would probably be the hands down coach of the year. He's got Case Keenum playing at a, an extremely high level on a run-heavy offense um, with an elite defense that he's been able to put together despite the fact that they've had a couple of serious injuries to some other star players. So I, I think I totally agree. The, the biggest area with Bruce is, and I think it'll be up to him, to, of course, if he comes back or not. I do think that with Bruce's legacy, you can take a look at the work he's done with Blaine Gabbert and resurrecting his career and even though you've been able to see the ceiling this is a guy who went from the trash heap to the point where the cardinals are still competitive and at least have a chance to win the games at the in as long as he's been quarterbacks coach and that's been something we haven't seen from Bruce. We've seen him be able to take the Peyton Mannings of the world, the Ben Roethlisbergers of the world. We've seen him be able to take an Andrew Luck and be able to kind of take greatness and be able to shape it and refine it where they've been able to have success in the league. We've seen him take a guy who was at that level and head down years and be able to revive that in Carson Palmer, very, very similar to what Ken Wilson Hunt and Todd Haley did. Uh, but we hadn't seen Bruce with kind of take a player who had been kind of one of those reclamation or uh, project players. Maybe you could count Carson as that, but we hadn't seen one who had had such a low career and all of a sudden you're starting to see kind of a rise in from not just completion percentage, but you're starting to see progress and growth, but you seen Gabbert step up in the pocket. And some of those have bleed through, but I do think that Bruce's legacy, if this is truly it for him, won't be tarnished. If anything, this has made it stronger in showing that he's not just a guy who was gifted great quarterbacks, uh, but a guy who really did understand offense and a guy who also, I believe, uh, is able to adjust more. Uh, it was just fun seeing a lot of people who are like saying about with Bruce Arians. Um, or I saw some tweets that were going on about how, well, you know, Arians, if he had a, any semblance of holding to a run game, he probably would be a lot better or would be a lot greater. And then the next thing you see, this entire drive orchestrated around Kerwin Williams with the blowing holes open in this Rams defense has star players like Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn on it. And you just kind of get the recognition of Arians understood that he saw that and adjusted and it's a sign of a great coach, at least I think he's been held back, I think a lot by some of the coordinators around him. If he does decide to return, at least for another year, my hope would be that it would be specifically with him and Steve Kime having the idea of. Um, We're not out here to basically win a championship. We understand that the whole goal is that we want to develop a quarterback. Is that going to be good enough for Bruce? I don't know. Part of me feels like I don't think so because it would be rough, but at least we think that Larry Fitzgerald's returning. um, Fitzgerald is just – he's been still playing lights out, and it's incredible to see. He's leading the NFL in receptions as we speak. Uh, I think that's an area where maybe if you do end up trying to get the band back together one more time, uh, if they do it with the future that's intended as far as for if they bring back Palmer to the point of getting to this new rookie quarterback that we're anticipating that they'll draft, I think maybe it'd be a little bit more accepting of Arians coming back as far as for, all right, and then setting up maybe a plan, maybe Byron Leftwich turns out to be that guy. um, They want to have moving forward as that young offensive mind, maybe that he and that rookie can grow together. But in the meantime, as you say, I think it's, it's just going to come down to, um, The fact is, if Arian does decide to retire and they do decide to reach out and bring in one of these new offensive lines, it's not that there's going to be lost love between Cardinals fans. It'll be a bit of mourning for some of the press conferences, but it'll be understanding that this is with the future in mind. And if Bruce Arians is going to end up leaving, it'll at least be knowing that that was something where we weren't able to look to the future with him. And part of it is because, as you said, there was that window. Uh, let's go ahead real quick. We're going to take a um, quick look around the NFC West in terms of quarterbacks, mostly going with the fact that this is Jimmy Garoppolo's first starts. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this. It was his first official start with the ba- against the Bears, and they have a win, and he looked pretty good in it. What were your thoughts on uh, Jimmy G, at least, and what are your thoughts about just with the rest of the NFC West as we saw every single NFC <laughs> West team except for the Cardinals won this week, and the quarterbacks look good doing it?
2: Yeah, we remember Jimmy G's actual first start in the NFL. It was against the Arizona Cardinals last season to kick off the 2016 uh, opener on Sunday Night Football, and he uh, proceeded to give the Cardinals their first of many losses of 2016. And we all knew that he looked pretty legit in that game and was undefeated and is undefeated as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, But, again, a lot of it was paired to the fact that, well, he's playing – under Bill Belichick, it's the system, it's the complimentary players. This guy is the real deal. We, we know that, you know, at the very least, he's going to be competent with the likes of Kyle Shanahan. I watched that entire Bear game on Sunday. That had to be the worst collection of wide receivers I've ever seen in an, in an NFL game between what the Niners trotted out and what the Bears have. With that being said, you watch a guy like Trubisky go head-to-head against um, Jimmy G, it's not even close, Jimmy is uh, competent, uh, capable, he's got incredible mobility, and his best trade is he has got one of the, if not quickest, releases in all of football. He can get the ball out quickly. He was extending drives. I know they kicked five field goals, but he led five scoring drives. They were inside the red zone, inside the 10 many times. They've got you know a lackluster offensive line. I didn't think Carlos Hyde played particularly well. Jimmy is by far their best offensive player. He's only going to get better. Uh, he's somebody with a full offseason with Kyle Shanahan. You know they're going to retool in April's draft. They're going to be able, if they're in a position to draft Allen or Darnold, they're going to be able to package that pick for more picks. They're going to be in the market for a Saquon Barkley. It's another great running back class. That's a team, I'm telling you what, they've gone defense heavy the last couple seasons. Now they've got presumably their franchise quarterback quarterback. They're going to be able They have a ton of money to spend. They're going to give him a big contract. They can sign somebody, you know, like Alan Robinson in, in free agency. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with, much like I think the Rams are this year. I think they're going to take that big of a step because I think so highly of Shanahan as a play caller. So you look at the fact that the Niners are ascending. I mean, what a coup to get a franchise quarterback midseason that just doesn't happen to get him acclimated and playing uh, and have him playing well. They've got a winnable game this weekend. So. Uh, you've got the Niners ascending, you've got the LA Rams, who we've talked about at nauseum. clearly one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the NFL, uh, they've given the Cardinals two pretty good beatings this year, scored over 30 plus points in both contests. They're young, especially in the, you know, with golf and Gurley and some of their um, key defenders on defense assuming they re-sign Aaron Donald but specifically Goff looks like a completely different quarterback uh, somebody who we thought okay was this guy a bust last year especially when you consider how great Carson Wentz looked and rarely when when guys go one two I think it's less than 20 percent of the time that both guys pan out it's either either guy pans out or one pans out and so we were looking at Goff and we saw him hard, hard knocks and he you know wasn't overly masculine, you know, for the lack of a better term, he just, he didn't look like the guy. He looked, you know, scrawny. He looked, you know, not super athletic. And this year, man, what, What the right head coach does for a a young man, and his confidence right now is at an all-time high. We forgot how great of a player he was at Cal, breaking records. I believe he threw over 40 touchdowns in his last season, carried a bad bad Cal team, much to the the same effect as Josh Allen, kind of carried a bad UCLA team. So, um, you know, he is certainly on the rise, probably going to make a Pro Bowl this year, certainly going to be in the playoffs. And then Russell Wilson. We've talked about Russell Wilson, probably the hardest quarterback to defend right now in the NFL with his legs. He's given the Cardinals fits in years prior. Uh, I think right now he's has a trajectory to not only win the MVP this year, uh, head to head against Tom Brady, he's going to be a hall of famer one day. So you've got Russell Wilson who needs, you know, no introduction at this point, Jared Goff, who has cemented himself as a franchise quarterback. Now there are levels of franchise quarterback, but he's certainly in that B2B plus right now, could still elevate with, you know, better skilled players, upgrades on the interior offensive line, those kind of things. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, who I don't know how many people you're going to find that's, that will tell you that he's not going to be at least a competent NFL quarterback. Uh, the New England Patriots finished up their game uh, this past Sunday against, I believe it was the Buffalo Bills, and they couldn't wait to get in the locker room to watch the end of the, the Bears-Niner game to see how Jimmy did. That's how highly they think of him. I think it's going to look back as a trade for New England. that They, they essentially did the Niners a favor. They're going to ship him out west as far as you can, out of the conference, and let him go be successful with somebody else. That's called Bill Belichick doing somebody a favor because I think he's worth more than a second-round pick. I know you have to pay him at this point, but mm-hmm. he's 26 years old. He's got all the tools. Uh, clearly, he's been helped by sitting behind Brady. And then you got the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals for year after year have have passed on, on either trading up for a franchise quarterback or being complacent with the likes of guys like Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson, some of these later-round quarterbacks that have done well. And it's not to, to the effect that, you know, I'm worried about them making a mistake. But at the same time, I believe that you keep drafting until you find the guy. The Denver Broncos took Paxton Lynch in the first round in 2016. They're going to be picking in the top five this year. You don't think, John, I always going to go after one of these quarterbacks in the top five, assuming he doesn't secure somebody like Kirk Cousins in the offseason? Of course he is. You got to keep going for it. And the Cardinals have drafted, I believe, one quarterback in the first round, that being Matt Leinart, since like the 60s or the 70s. And you go through the hierarchy of the NFC. The Cowboys have their quarterback. The Giants are going to get one of the top two quarterbacks this year. Wentz is phenomenal for the Eagles. The Redskins, they're either going to trade Kirk Cousins, they're going to franchise them, they're going to try to get – they have a succession plan in place, trust me, if Kirk Cousins doesn't come back. The Bears have Trubisky. The Lions have Stafford. The Packers have Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings – here's what I'll say about the Vikings. The Vikings at least have been making an effort to find the guy. After Brett Favre – Christian Ponder, that was a nightmare. At least they went for it. Teddy Bridgewater looked like he was going to be something. He's gotten injured. They traded a first for Sam Bradford. They've tried multiple times to find their guy. Falcons have Matt Ryan, Cam Newton with the Panthers. Now, the only other team that you could say would be in a similar position with the Arizona Cardinals are the the uh, New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, but
0: they're going to be in the playoffs.
2: That's right. And he is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. And he is somebody who is there every Sunday for that franchise for better or for worse. You can't say the same about Carson Palmer. Okay. They're not in the same class. So until Brees or Brady or some of these older guys, Rivers or Big Ben start to age on the field and look like eroding quarterbacks, i.e. Eli Manning in New York, There's no reason to find somebody else, at least in the short term. The the Saints have done it the right way. They've drafted and developed nicely. Uh, The last couple of years, they've added some key pieces uh, in free agency, and they're going to make a Super Bowl run. Tampa Bay's got, obviously, Jameis Winston, and then I broke down the NFC West. So really, it's the Cardinals next year that are going to go into, presumably, the NFC with potentially the worst quarterback situation. There are similar cases in the AFC, but I wanted to focus clearly on the NFC because there are so many good teams. And the Cardinals are going to find themselves in the cellar, especially in the NFC West, if they do not make bold moves this offseason. They've wasted years of being able to uh, mentor a quarterback under the locks of, you mentioned it, Tom Moore and Bruce Arians, great quarterback minds, quarterback whisperers, uh, and been able to sit somebody behind Carson Palmer. That individual will be playing right now. Uh, So it's unfortunate, but at the same time, Steve Kime knows it's his biggest task on his list for the off season. And I believe that it's going to really dominate the headlines until, you know, the the 2018 season kicks off is who is this individual? Where is he coming from in the draft? What school, what program, what will the new coach presumably want from this young man? Are they going to be able to roll the dice on, you know, a Lamar Jackson, a Baker Mayfield that's unconventional in what Bruce Arians has wanted from his quarterback. He's not six, four, six, five, doesn't have a huge arm. Uh, he's not built like a truck. Uh, but at the same time, you see these unorthodox quarterbacks, these guys that are, you know, breaking the mold, having a lot of success. So a lot of questions to be answered, but in terms of the NFC West goes, the Cardinals right now are probably the fourth best team heading into 2018. It's crazy with the lack of talent that the Niners have, but I think if a lot of fans could switch places and say, I get Kyle Shanahan, I get Jimmy Garoppolo, I get a nice young core on D, I think they'd take that.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll be getting into more of the quarterback discussion, especially previewing some of the specific individuals. Uh, this is the second to end of this season, and we're at the end of the season for all of that. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's do a quick look at just a quick preview of the Titans game. Um, I think that that's been part of it. As you can say, the quarterback is definitely the biggest thing that we've been looking about with the Cardinals. Because, And I think that the positive is, is that when you look at around the league for teams that have this guy, and there's plenty of teams who are looking for it, it seems like there's a bigger need, but there's very few that are going to be entering in with that pressure that Arizona's going to have. Uh, let's talk about the the Tennessee Titans, because this is a team that's been – Built around having a, one of these young quarterbacks in Marcus Mariota, who's extremely talented, who's got the arm, the mobility. They've been working on trying to find weapons around him. Some of those guys like Corey Davis haven't been as healthy. Delaney Walker is a threat. Um, but really ultimately comes down to the two guys in DeMarco Murray and Derek Henry. And really what we have seen a lot of has just been that the Titans have been more relying on their defense to keep them in games than uh, looking at their offense. It's been really kind of surprising just to see this is a Titans team that's similar to the Jaguars, very similar record. Uh, They've been a solid team that's been, even though they haven't been openly dominating teams, uh, you can see they've been able to put games away in the fourth quarter with both a solid run game, Derrick Henry breaking a few long yards, or with Marcus Mariota being able to kind of get together those last minute field goals. Uh, This is a game that's at home. The Cardinals always play together a little bit better at home. Uh, John, real quick, let's just see, what are your quick thoughts at least about what this Titans matchup for the game? Is this a game that we're looking at entering in like the Jaguars game where you end up seeing a surprise as a trap game, or is this going to be another game like the Rams where we're talking about yet another Cardinals loss?
2: Well, clearly the Titans are not the same team talent-wise and rapport-wise that the LA Rams are right now. Titans are very much in the playoff hunt especially for their own division. Uh, so they've done a nice job in that regard. But at the, at the same time, it's not a dynamic offense. It's a defense that really has underachieved. Uh, they're ranked, I think, 27th, 28th overall on defense. Their secondary isn't very good. Brian Arakpo is still doing his thing on their defensive line. He's probably their best edge rusher. They drafted Kevin Dodd out of Clemson. Uh, I don't think he's made much of an impact. So they're very vanilla on defense. So I do think there'll be some... Uh, matchups that the Cardinals are able to take advantage if Blaine has a better game, which I expect he will. Offensively right now, he have got one of the best offensive lines in football. Mariota has not taken that next step like a lot of people thought he would. He's surpassed Jameis, in my opinion, as, as the better quarterback, and he's been able to stay healthy this year. That's a big step. But at the same time, you know, I think he's a little bit hampered by this offensive coaching staff. They're not overly dynamic. What I will say is, Their running game has been and is one of the best in football. And now you're slowly starting to see the transition from DeMarco Murray to the ever talented Derrick Henry. He broke off a six year, 70 yard run against uh, I can't remember who it was last weekend. Just looked phenomenal and is built like a freight train in the same mold that, you know, Marshawn Lynch and is somebody I think might have a short shelf life in terms of the pounding that he takes, but they need to make that transition to him full time as they're, as their starter. I think he could be a 15, yard rusher in this league. I think he could rush for double-digit touchdowns in the same form of, you know, like I said, a Lynch or a LeGarrette Blount. But I think he's super, super talented. And I think they're going to give him the rock a lot this weekend against a a Cardinal defense right now that is pretty average, like we've talked about, within their front seven, running on a day on Buchanan who's trying to come back from an ankle injury, running on a, you know, 35, 36-year-old Carlos Dansby, um so it'll be interesting to see you know, what kind of offensive game plan they build around Mariota the Cardinals have had trouble with, with mobile quarterbacks. That's no secret to anybody that's been following this team. Couple that with the fact that their offensive line is excellent. Uh, I think this is a game that the Cardinals eventually lose. I think the, the Titans are hungry for a playoff spot. I think that they'll use the fact that the Jaguars came here two weeks ago, uh, one of their key conference opponents, and lost. I think they'll use that as motivation to, to not sleep on this team. But at the same time, you know they got the better quarterback, they got you know, the superior offensive line. We saw the Rams had the better offensive and defensive line last week. That made all the difference. Uh, I'm assuming that will be much of the same this weekend. Uh, I think the Cardinals end up losing this game somewhere in the, the area of 24-17.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that uh, last week. I think it was that run against the Texans that was putting it away. And a lot of it has just been, yes. you've seen the, there's a little bit of a weird, weird balance of the Texans. Like they'll have a one score kind of win over the Bengals, a one score win over the Titans, a one score win over the Colts. These are all like not great NFL teams like the Texans. The, I mean, even the Cardinals, you know, beat the Colts and the Titans are struggling to
2: beat them in their own division. It's a divisional the, game, but
0: they you don't,
2: know. they don't blow teams out.
0: No, the, no the, they even get blown out. They had the Steelers blew them out and the Texans with the kind of the coming out party game for Deshaun Watson, the one where people started really noticing and paying attention. That was one that was on their defense. They're kind of a live and die by the takeaway. It's almost similar to what the Cardinals back in um, – Uh, In 2016, if they got takeaways, they would kind of, you know, be able to win the game. If they didn't, then they would just lose pretty badly. And that's been kind of the area I think of when you're looking at the quarterbacks with Mariota. He doesn't make a lot of those type of mistakes. Um, You'd have to be kind of looking to try to force a few fumbles. Uh, I think it's a game similar to the Jags but in this the big difference is this, is that you don't have Blake Bortles on the other side of the line. who can't hit the broad side of a barn when he's needing to drive down the field in the fourth quarter, Mariota's back there and he has mobility. At least where he will be able to run and take off if he needs to. I think that this is going to be a game that it'll be close in the fourth quarter. I think the Cardinals, they may even be tied hitting into the fourth quarter, but I think they'll end up seeing either a mistake somewhere on special teams. You'll just see kind of one of those mistakes. This is just that same pattern we've seen. I think the Titans will um, get out of there with a field goal, um, make that one a 24 21 win. Uh, I I think that will basically be kind of the nail in the coffin as far as with the Cardinals season, because you're then going to start to look at that road game heading to the Red. Uh, go to see the Washington team uh, and an early East Coast game that, let's just be clear, with the way Kirk Cousins is playing, I don't think he's going to have any problem being able to exploit this Cardinals defense. And they've got a pretty ferocious pass rush with. Uh, Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan over there and uh, Jared Vildier I also should mention at least is uh, apparently didn't practice today. Your hope is that he's able to kind of make it through and be able to stay healthy throughout the rest of the season just to be able to get a proper evaluation of Gabbert. but I do think you're going to end up seeing kind of this Cardinals uh, team take a beating, especially if Adrian Peterson isn't able to uh, kind of carry the rock like he did against the Jags. All right, uh, we're going to take a short break here. Coming up next in the Bird Game Blitz, we're going to get back into some draft talk. This has been kind of the bulk of our show. We've been talking all about the Cardinals are looking at needing to get a franchise quarterback. They're wanting to try to trade up for a quarterback, looking at who this rookie might be. We'll take a look at some of those names next here on the Bird Game Blitz. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and
1: road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.
0: All right, we're back on the Bird Gang Blitz. And, John, this is part of one of our favorite things to talk about, the NFL draft, but more than that, just talking about the quarterbacks. Um, let's get a little bit of a head start and talk about just some of – what are some of the big names that are kind of out there, and then let's start breaking down these guys individually. Um, we'll cover a little bit of that and even look at some late-round guys, maybe some sleepers who aren't being talked about now, but guys who – and then also their fit within the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals currently as they are. Uh, let's go ahead and see, who are some of the top guys that you want to kind of think will be breaking down tonight and the big names that are out there?
2: Well, I think anybody who isn't putting Darnold, Sam Darnold of USC and Josh Rosen of UCLA one, two in in some kind of order within their mock draft should just tear up their mock draft. People are going to try to go against the grain uh, as we, you know, progress through the draft season, but there's no way I would bet my house on it. I would bet my mortgage on it, whatever you want that Rosen and Darnold do not go one, two some kind of combination Uh, come April's draft. It's just not going to happen. Rosen will be the first overall pick, assuming Darnold does not declare. If Darnold comes out, he will be the first overall pick, unless the Cleveland Browns are not able to convince him to come play for their franchise. In that case, I could see Allen going first overall. But, you know, if the New York Giants, if the Cleveland Browns, if the, you know, whomever that is, the Broncos, Whoever ends up with the number two pick, because I'm assuming Cleveland's going to pick first overall, is going to get either Darnold or Rosen. That's it. It's a done deal. Um, It's unfortunate that the Cardinals weren't worse this year. I know it's weird to say it would be great to to acquire either one of those individuals. Darnold was not the better quarterback this year. I know that he was first-team All-Pac 12, but at the same time – Rosen had the better numbers. I thought he played better in the head-to-head matchup. Just wasn't able to lead his team to as many wins. That is not a good UCLA team this year, Um, and he did a nice job. He was super efficient with with his numbers and um, super accurate this year. Uh, Coming off an injury from a year ago, obviously he played great as a freshman quarterback. That's led to a lot of the hype. But with Rosen, he is much more the traditional pocket passer. He's got some mobility, but he is not of these new-age quarterbacks that are, I don't want to say dual threat, but have the mobility outside the pocket like a Carson Wentz. Ironically enough, he is more like Jared Goff. That's his game. I think he has a little bit higher of an upside uh, than Jared. He has got a big-time arm. I mean, his arm is of the Cam Newton-Cutler type of arm. Uh, Cutler might actually be a pretty good comparison, but I think Rosen uh, is going to be a better NFL player. And then Darnold is just the, the the quarterback prodigy that every team wants. I know that he struggled this year, uh, I think led the Pac-12 in turnovers. But again, you know, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, those guys had a lot of turnovers during their time. That's just young guys making mistakes um, you know, USC graduated a lot of their skilled players last year. Juju Smith Schuster, who's with the Pittsburgh Steelers having a nice rookie season. He's not there anymore. So uh, Darnold had a nice array of running backs to work with, but the receivers just weren't there. And so um, you saw him taking a lot of chances. But again, they were able to win the Pac-12. I think they're going to win their bowl game. Uh, I think right now he's leaning toward declaring when you're Rumored as the number one overall pick, unless you're Matt Leinart, it's kind of unheard of to go back to school. Listen, could he use more time? Absolutely. But, you know, your shelf life as an NFL player is only so long. As a football player in general. And so it would be great if he were able to go somewhere like a New York and keep Eli Manning around for another season and sit Darnold for a half a season. I worry if he goes to Cleveland, they're going to expect him to start right away. I do think, depending on the situation, Allen is more ready to start right now. Uh, based on his experience in college but like any quarterback it's based on experience and it's based on situation Dak Prescott with the Cleveland Browns isn't successful Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys with the best offensive line in football with Zeke Elliott you know with some of their receiving options with Jason Garrett an offensive mind as head coach has success you've seen what's happening
0: yeah Dak Prescott right now isn't successful when you see that he's missing his left tackle Jonathan Cooper all of a sudden Cowboys fans are saying hey you know he's looking great he's been playing well and he starts missing the maybe the best left tackle in football in Tyron Smith and all of a sudden Jonathan Cooper doesn't look good the the way that you look at his situation is especially important for a young quarterback we got to see that with Goff and with Wentz and I think you're totally right about that when it comes to a guy like um, with Darnold and then uh, I think you said Allen once I'm not sure if you meant Allen or if Rosen but we'll get into I'm sorry yeah we'll get into talking about josh allen because that is a fascinating case as far as for looking with his player type but let's talk a little bit about with the season that sam darnold has been having because he's been a bit of a disappointment for many this year you look at last year he came on kind of out of nowhere took over that starting job for usc completed a crazy like 67 percent of his passes looked unstoppable in that rose bowl game uh had a incredible like 31 touchdowns to nine interceptions you're looking at a guy who uh basically just kind of looks like he's on track to be that Andrew Luck type, a little bit of an unorthodox delivery. He comes in this year and then starts fumbling the ball, has a lot more turnovers, Uh, just been kind of a bit more disappointing, but you still have been able to see just kind of at times the arm strength. Maybe it's been inconsistent, but you get to see not just the arm strength, but him being able to manage and see a, a pro style system, not just from the pocket, but being able to run out on different rollouts or being able to extend plays, find guys that are there downfield and being able to kind of make use of the talent around him with the Ronald Jones. Um, what are your thoughts at least about Darnold? Because I saw some people think of that he's a more talented Bortles, which is an interesting comparison. I think uh, when you look at the, the numbers that he's there, but what do you think about him? And especially with some of the different things when we talk about with mechanics and a young quarterback, uh, do you think that he would be better served by going back another year to be able to work on that? Uh, that's as we talked about, it's rumored. or do you think that he's a guy who this is the time for him to declare now, even if it does end up in a situation like the Browns, uh, what would you be your choice? if you were
1: sam darnold
2: well i think that sam's got a big decision on his hands because i do know you know from you know sources out in california just based on articles that i've read and, and, and radio interviews that he is very close with this sophomore class of guys and i think that you know it would be difficult for him to leave these people or these players uh for the nfl when they have a chance to potentially win the national championship next year i don't think their head coach is that great and they'd be able to do that, but they're 11 and 2 this year, 8 and 1 in conference, so who knows?
0: Stanford just had a great victory over Stanford last week. Darnold played solid in that. You, you got a chance, I think, so I can see. Yeah,
2: that. absolutely. He, speaking of Stanford, uh, against Stanford this year, against David Shaw, one of the best coach teams in college football, six touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, over almost 700 yards passing. Uh, this kid's ready for the NFL. I, you know, For the individuals who say he throws too many interceptions, some of that is just you got to get those out of the way. He went against Utah through three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a nice program. Uh, Arizona State, Blake, you were, uh, you're familiar with that program. Oh, obviously. I was at
0: that game, actually. That's right. In you person. Got, oh, yeah. you <laughs> got to see
2: that firsthand, and he carved up the uh, Devils pretty good. So um, nothing that I've seen from him outside of maybe struggles at Notre Dame you know, in October where they took that loss and then obviously against Washington state, which was, uh, kind of a sleeper team in the PAC 12. Those are their only two losses this year. He was outstanding in, in most every other game. And, um, you look at a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who, uh, did far less in his college career, started one season and went, you know, top two, top three overall, uh, to the Chicago bears and has come in and, and looked okay. Okay. Uh, I, I, Sam Darnold is much, much more talented than Mitch Trubisky. And, uh, I think he'll be able to have success early. I Do think it would probably benefit him to go to a stable franchise in comparison to the Cleveland Browns? But at the same time, I think if he declares, uh, there's no way I see him not going first overall, unless he forces a trade. And I would declare if I was, if I was him, if we've learned anything lately with the, with the uproar, uh, of the NFL and player safety, you know, an additional year of hits on your body. The PAC 12 is a real conference. I know they didn't get anybody into the playoff this year, but they've got, you know, NFL players all over that conference. Um, And, you know, does Sam really want to go through that again? Or does he want to start building his, you know, his NFL legacy? You've already won the, uh, the PAC 12 twice. You won a Rose bowl last year. I think you're going to win another big time bowl this year. There's not much more you can do, and you're certainly not guaranteed a national championship if you come back. So uh, I think it's an, it's in his best interest to go and uh, have success in the NFL because I think he's going to be just a Pro Bowl, consistent Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. And I think he's got a lot of the same measurables and traits as Andrew Luck. He's built the same way. Uh, he doesn't have that, you know, photographic memory that they say Andrew Luck has. But I think Darnold is as cool and calm in the pocket. We saw it in the Rose Bowl last year as a, as a freshman, dominating Penn State throwing for all kinds of crazy numbers. And so I think he's going to have a nice NFL career. And I think the same about Josh Rosen, but Darnold has the higher ceiling.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of it is that the athleticism and the mobility, the uh, uh, way to extend plays. I think that it could be a comparison when you look at the uh, talking about with accuracy and placement and stuff. I, I do think that this is kind of moving on to Rosen in just a sec. But I do think with Darnold, if at worst you're going to get is probably more of an Alex Smith type of a guy who's got an arm. He can throw deep, but he's able to kind of use his legs, and make plays. Uh, Go number one. I I think that's still going to be something that'll be a huge mark because that's at least something that's going to be consistent. It's going to be known. It's going to be less risky. I think that's probably why he would go number one. Just personally, from Darnold's perspective, I think that you're right about some of the areas and some of these quarterbacks who are kind of seem like they're going to be groomed for success before they even get there, like an Andrew Luck or like. you're talking about another guy who went back to school um, with, like, when you say, mentioned Matt Liner, another USC quarterback. Uh, being the quarterback at USC is a pretty big deal, and he's just a young, you know, he's like a 20, 21-year-old kid. I think that he'll probably go back for one more season, give the national championship a try, and what he'll also accomplish at the same time is he'll be able to kind of graduate, get his degree, and be able to be ready because he'll have those four years, at least, that he'll have spent at the school. Uh, I think that's uh, one of those things I can't. I can't it tell you that that is a very, very important thing for many NFL coaches because they like to see that completion, um, even though it may not have anything to do with the football field. Uh, I think that's something where you look and see about how Jameis Winston, he still declared as he was a redshirt sophomore, but you look at guys who came out early with Deshaun Watson, you know, he graduated with his degree in hand was ready to go. Um, you look at some other guys who are like Andrew Luck, he had a mechanical engineering degree at least, or I believe that actually it was architecture I think was actually more of what it was. But I think that he's going to be one of those guys who, even if it's in that class and even if he does end up in a situation where it's not going to be helpful, there's still going to be a level of success there uh, talking about situation. Let's move on to talking a little bit about Josh Rosen, who, to be honest, he has had a uh, kind of impressive bounce back. He battled injury a lot last year, only played in six games. Uh, he kind of ended up having a bounce back in terms of his uh, just seeing his completion percentage rise as well. You had some great games, opening game against Texas A&M where they came back from almost a 40-point deficit. Um, this is kind of that, we're talking about like key moments, at least in a person, just seeing that kind of fake spike with reminiscent of Dan Marino. This is a guy who came in as a true freshman and had the offense down and was kind of just lighting it up in the Pac-12 from day one. What are your thoughts about with Josh Rosen? And especially just kind of wondering when you're talking about touchdowns and interception, he does kind of seem for a guy who's been in this really smart quarterback does seem to throw a lot of picks for that especially on the road what are your thoughts on Rosen
2: well again if you look at his rushing totals for the season and I don't mean to continually harp on his mobility or lack thereof but that I think is going to hamper him at the next level uh he does not move outside the pocket at all he's going to probably go to uh, a New York Giants or you know a, a Denver Bronco uh franchise that does not have a good old line on paper. Now, Cleveland, ironically enough, does have one, but uh, he's somebody that is a traditional pocket passer, again, in the same mold as, you know, I would compare him again to, to somebody like Jay Cutler uh, that has a phenomenal arm, the best arm in this class. He's got a better arm than Darnold, and uh, he is very accurate with his passes he completed. I think just over uh, 63% of his passes this year. So that's up from 59 and that's what you want to see. You want to see those numbers improve as he goes about his career uh, as a college quarterback. You don't want to see those numbers go down. Um, And so he put up decent numbers this year, but I think pro football focus has him as uh, the most efficient pocket passer in college football this year. Uh, The opener against Texas A&M I think is one of his best games. 500 yards passing, you know, and a amount uh, against an SEC team, no less, with four touchdowns. Next week goes on to Hawaii. I know that's not a great program. Five touchdowns, uh, four touchdowns the following week against uh, Memphis, and then three touchdowns against Stanford. So he opens up his first four games of the season with over 12 touchdowns. So super impressive. Uh, if you are able to bring him in, and he's somebody who is outspoken, Um, not that this is a bad thing, but he does come from money. He's not Manziel and, uh, doesn't have Manziel money, but at the same time, somebody with maybe a little sense of entitlement, maybe somebody who's going to challenge your, your coaches a little bit, not in the same sense that, you know, Darnold is very much a sponge from what I've heard, very laid back, kind of California cool. Uh, Rosen himself is from Manhattan beach, but very outspoken, uh, when it comes to things of, you know, the political nature, do you want to bring that into your locker room? Um, I wouldn't be worried myself. I think that that just comes with the territory of being a pro athlete. As long as the individuals, you know, he asked to go to battle with him every Sunday are on board with his message and and think that he can help them, uh, win a championship. The rest of that stuff is just kind of, you know, noise in the background for the media to eat up. So I think he would be a good fit in either Cleveland or New York. I think that Darnold and Rosen specifically have that build six, four, six, five, big arm, um, you know, have a little bit of a thicker body to, to hang in, you know, the rough and tough AFC North or, you know, the, the winters in New York. Um, so ideally those would be pretty good pairings or going to Denver if they're able to, to move up, if they don't have a first or second overall pick. But uh, Rosen to me, I think is the safer choice in the short term. I think he's going to be better early in his career, but again, Darnold has the much higher ceiling. I think ends up as, as the better pro player long-term, but I think both, I have them both rated higher than I had either one of Goff or Wentz coming out. I have Goff – I had Wentz um, ahead of Goff. I have him third behind these two individuals as prospects. Darnold is one. Rosen is two for me. Uh, But, again, interchangeable uh, depending on what you're looking for depending on the franchise – Uh, And depending on whether or not Cleveland is going to be able to lure either one of these guys to their franchise and and get them to sign on the dotted line, that will be an interesting case study in itself. And it's one that, you know, if the Cardinals were able to lose out and are in the discussion for, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh overall pick, depending on how some of these other teams fall, could they swing a deal with say a San Francisco within their division or a Cleveland where Cleveland knows that they can't get either one of these guys to come to their franchise, could the Cardinals secure a trade-up? It would be expensive, but at the same time, aggressive GMs go and get their guy. We've seen Les Snead go up and get Jared Goff. We've seen the Eagles change over their entire roster in one offseason, go up and get Carson Wentz. And you know what? If you think that this guy is going to be the face of your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years, which I think Rosen and Darnold could be, uh, I think that it would be you know a great addition. And ironically enough, both of these guys fit the Arians' mold.
0: Absolutely. That's kind of the biggest thing is part of when you're saying the Arians mold you're looking at, you know, with uh, it's like you're creating a quarterback in Madden. you know, you're like you're thinking 6'6 with a rocket arm and like a really good mobility. We'll see at least what goes on with Rosen because I know some of the stuff with his mobility has been just due to a leg injury. He still wears a brace. Uh, If you end up maybe kind of departing from that brace in the NFL, if he's healed up enough, that might be an area where you'll see some improvement. Uh, I do think that Rosen is a tremendous as far as for with accuracy, with his not just the release and the arm talent, but you're able to see just a lot of times we have a gorgeous deep ball that's thrown and it'll be dropped. <laughs> and sometimes that's what these PAC 12 quarterbacks, there seems to be sometimes higher interception totals. It can be a run and gun offense. They'll shoot first, ask questions later. can get greedy at times. Uh, you'll end up seeing the final score of like 48 uh, to 36, just because you'll end up having the ability of, well, you know, if the, you don't have defense in the PAC 12 and just go out there because of uh, and throw for another touchdown because we know they'll be scoring on us. Uh, I do think it is also important just to note, just when we're talking about what's comparing to last classes, this is some of the stuff I've learned from just time with not just with scouting, but seeing about what the NFL has preferences for. And it comes down ultimately to the NFL is your job. And so when you're interviewing for a job, the question they always ask is do you have enough experience? And every snap that you take in college football is going to be a bit more of experience that you'll look for in the NFL. So last year you've got guys like uh, with. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, who went number two overall, he had one season that he had starting, uh, and they saw at least enough upside where they were able to take him number two overall. You got to see two seasons or so from Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, Pat Mahomes went top ten in part because you got to see three consistent seasons from him, including those two. This year's a little different because we've had these quarterbacks, including Darnold and Rosen, have started from the time where they're a freshman or redshirt freshman and they've got a lot of the different, a lot of starts, like even more than just the one season. I think that's part of the reason why, um, even though people aren't liking this quarterback class as much, some of it I think is more just because they were more expecting to kind of have an Andrew Luck type season coming out. Uh, only, one, only one player really did have that type of a performance. We'll get into him in a little bit. But I think that when you're talking about what these guys, they have experience. You've seen it from the time when they came onto their freshman that they were NFL ready. And you've been able to see times where they've been under pressure, make the accurate throws to carry. I do think that these guys are, are going to be guys who uh, are going to carry their teams. I, I, I'm of the opinion that I don't think Darnold comes out, but I think that Josh Rosen is going to be willing, even with Chip Kelly coming in, he'll want to get the heck out of this, that poor program at UCLA. I, I, like you, think that he would be a good fit for the Browns. Although with the way how it is right now, with the Browns going to drafted to Sean Kaiser and seeing some of that, it's, Kind of an interesting question. They're in a position similar to the Panthers a few years ago when they drafted Jimmy Clausen, had a terrible season, ended up in the number one pick. I think that it'll come down to uh, whether or not they keep this, not just the current coaching staff, but just with how Deshaun Kaiser plays over the next few games. Maybe you end up seeing the Browns look at doing the unpopular thing and trading down from that number one pick and acquiring a whole lot more picks and kind of wanting to see if they can build around Deshaun Kaiser. He's a young quarterback. He's has a talented arm. He's shown quite a bit. He's also turned the ball over a lot. It's going to be a really interesting decision. I do not envy the choice they'll have to make because either way, either you're going to kind of lose out on having people wonder if you have that second round pick. Was that a waste now that you've got with a guy who's you're taking number one or is it an area where maybe it's a win where now you've got two guys who could be considered starters. Maybe that's just another asset. That's just something that we haven't really seen the Cardinals have the ability to do is just do that. And they're, they're kind of trapped in this type of quarterback, uh, kind of a quarterback, almost a purgatory if they're not able to kind of secure their guy. Uh, let's talk about a guy who's had a lot of polarizing opinions about him. That would be Josh Allen out of Wy- uh, of Wyoming. Uh, this is a guy who you, you look at and talk about pro-style offense, uh, being able to take snaps under center, go back and be able to go through the reads. This is a guy who showcased all of that in a 2016 season in which people started talking about him as taking that next step and being a future number one overall pick. And he just has had a rough go of it. He's had, uh, you know, kind of only two touchdowns for every pick. He's had very little talent around him. A lot of people are blaming the talent leaving as being the main reason why Josh Allen's had the lack of production, and they're looking at instead the the guy probably has at least if you're talking about pure arm strength, he can probably throw 60-yard uh, dimes on a, a while he's on a, on the run, very similar to Patrick Mahomes in terms of arm strength from last year. Uh, he's got an improv- improvisation ability, can extend plays, shows a lot of athleticism for a guy who's 6'6". But really, when you're looking at production, you're not seeing it you're seeing a guy who's struggling against a team like hawaii you're seeing a guy who's thrown for only about 56 for completion percentage this year ends up kind of getting hurt running around a little bit Uh, do you think that josh allen's kind of what are your taking do you think that he's the real deal or is this a guy who's a project and is getting built up to be something that he's not and we'll see him maybe still go that high and not have success or you think that he's going to be more of like a Project QB, what are your thoughts, at least from what you've seen so far with Allen, just kind of with taking a look at some of what the season he's had and just the whole kind of hubbub about him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I look at his numbers on paper and I don't care what his attributes are physically because, you know, Logan Thomas had great measurables too, but what are you doing week in and week out in a terrible conference? You should be dominating that conference. When you've got 13 touchdowns on the season in 10 or 11 games, when you're completing 56% of your passes, uh, I know they don't ask him to throw a lot, but I don't care what the talent around you looks like. If you're a first-round NFL franchise quarterback, you need to elevate that talent. How many times do guys leave college and become better pro NFL quarterbacks than they were college quarterbacks where you can put up – crazy video game kind of numbers like, you know, Baker Mayfield does in, in the big 12 at the very least, Josh Allen, you should be completing 60 to 65% of your throws. You should be throwing for 20 plus touchdowns. I mean, he's not even coming close to these numbers. I've watched him on film. He, he is very erratic. I know that, you know, he's got, you know, below average skill players that can't catch everything, but at the same time, look at some of these point totals, three points against Iowa, 13 points against Oregon, 14 points against Boise State, seven points against Fresno State. Um, you know just just unimpressive numbers for a guy who I think is gonna come in take command of my locker room and, and lead my franchise. if you want to take him later, I understand that because of you know how impressive his attributes are but man oh man I, I would be surprised Blake just based on you know how poor his numbers are if we're sitting here you know five months from now in April's draft and he was still rumored to be, A first or even a second round draft pick. I just think that, based on the fact that when you put up those kind of numbers and you are that mediocre, if not you know worse than that, you're going to end up in the same kind of class as somebody like Connor Cook, where we thought Connor would be a surefire first round pick the fall of you know whenever that was, 2015. And then you started hearing rumblings a little bit about his character, and it kind of overshadowed some of the things that he did at Michigan State and that individuals never really had him that high to begin with. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Josh Allen based on his on-field production. I think he's going to go somewhere between maybe the third or fourth round. Uh, I think he's probably a worse quarterback than Christian Hackenberg who can't get on the field for the New York Jets. He was a second-round pick. Um, the competition level, he was going to have to answer those questions anyway, you know, like like somebody like Derek Carr did. But Derek Carr dominated his competition. Josh Allen should be dominating this conference. Hawaii is a terrible program defensively. He had – they won that game 28-21. He had nine completions for 92 yards. I don't even know how that's possible. Just, Just a terrible – terrible season statistically how are you supposed to sell your fan base on this because it's not like the 1970s and the 80s where maybe maybe the general public didn't have access to these kind of numbers and you went off of size and look and doesn't this guy look like a franchise quarterback and you know look how strong his arm is everybody's gonna have question marks if you spend a premium draft choice on this young man Uh, I think it, it would be in the best interest of him to try to come back another year and at least put up respectable numbers, uh, but I doubt it. This will be his third year at Wyoming. I'm guessing that if he gets a grade of, you know, a first or second round pick, he's going to declare and come out. But with the ascension of guys like Baker Mayfield and you know Drew Lock, who we'll touch on, and you know the the complete cementing status of Rosen and Darnold as the first and second overall pick, I just don't know where Josh Allen falls. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson is probably one of my favorite players in this draft, and I I cross my fingers that he is a realistic option for the Cardinals where they are picking, presumably that's going to be between maybe 7 to 13 uh, if they do finish 5 and 11, 6 and 10. Uh, and it's offensive and demeaning to him when he is being asked to or floated around by you know so-called draft experts to switch positions to, you know, tight end or hybrid wide receiver, he's 6'3", 215. He's lean, and I think that'll be his biggest question mark going into the next level because we've seen some of these guys um, come into the league like an RG3 and not be able to hold up physically, but he is an absolute stud on the football field and just an offensive machine. And unlike a Josh Allen, he's improved in terms of his completion percentage. He was 54 his freshman season, 56 last year when he won the Heisman. He's at 60, almost 61 now, which is, you know what, that's that's good enough for me when you excel as a quarterback in so many other areas. Okay, he's got 25 touchdowns this year, had 30 last year. Um, and then on top of that, you get all the exceptional um exceptional rushing ability that he has where he averages over a hundred yards rushing a game. Uh, he puts up (laughs) continuously. Yeah, it's, it is. He's just an offensive juggernaut. He's, he threw for over 3000 yards this year, almost 3,500 again, like last year while rushing for over a thousand yards. I think he rushed for 20 touchdowns last year. And again, it's not going to be the same case in the NFL, but man, what an explosive weapon to have. He is unlike any quarterback, that's coming in the NFL, I think since Michael Vick, and needless to say, he's unlike any quarterback the Arizona Cardinals have ever had. He would probably be my first choice of those second to third tier quarterbacks that they'll have access to over, say, a Baker Mayfield, just because of how crazy athletic he is. And you get the right head coach that buys into this young man, because from everything I've heard, he's a terrific human being, um, Bobby Petrino has, has mentored him for the last couple seasons. So, you know, he's well-coached. He plays on a team now that is unlike last year's team that had a nice run. This Louisville team was not super talented, but yet here he was beating, you know, quality teams like North Carolina threw up three touchdowns, rushed for 132 32 yards, three more t- scoring, you know, touchdowns on the ground. I know Florida state, you know, Statistically, didn't have a great season. They lost their quarterback, but you know he beat Florida State this year, put up 31 points. Uh, I think he is somebody who can change the face of the NFL again. As we see these non-conventional quarterbacks having success, um, to me, his biggest question mark will be: Can he hold up long term? Because after he goes through, you know, his progressions, assuming he gets to that point where he's able to come off his first and even second read, if he's going to want to take off, he's if he's going to have success running the football will he hold up with that frame is it a scenario where if you're the cardinals and you've got him and you say okay we don't want to take the ferrari out of the garage just yet you know it's going to be enticing he's going to tear up the preseason you know he may look better than blaine gabbard if they're fortunate enough to draft him are we going to be able to subject him to what could still be an offensive line that's a work in progress receivers who are undeveloped or let's get him on a meal plan let's get him in the weight room for 12 months in our system and take a look at him and unleash him in 29 teams similar to what Kansas City's kind of doing with Patrick Mahomes although Mahomes different body type probably better equipped to take an NFL beating but man he to me he has everything going for him he's really kind of flown under the radar after a dominating Heisman winning season last year. And he didn't do anything
0: Um, worse to deserve it. Like he could, he should be in the Heisman conversation this year with how he played. He is just incredible this year too, but people overlooked it because he already won it.
2: Yep. And he is, I think a finalist with Baker Mayfield. And um, I think he's going to be somebody with a big chip on his shoulder. He's earned the right to leave and to be drafted in the first round. I don't buy into the fact that people are saying he's a second or third round prospect. You don't put up these kind of numbers you're going to go, he's going to go run a four, four at the combine. And you're, you're going to see just a freak show in the same sense that, you know, Julio Jones dominated the combine. Some of these, you know, elite athletes, Patrick Peterson, he's going to dominate the combine like we've never seen from a quarterback. And if he has even a semi-competent pro day or workouts for teams, throwing the football um, he's going to be drafted in the first round. No doubt. He doesn't need to go to the senior bowl. None of that nonsense. Um, as long as he checks all the boxes off the field. uh, I don't don't see how a team, when you compare him to Baker Mayfield, which we'll get into, where you've got to sell the undersized factor, you've got to sell the the off-the-field stuff to an owner, Lamar Jackson is the opposite, and I think he would be a tremendous draft pick for the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I think part of it is when you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, part of it is you have to not just adapt your scheme and offense to them, but you want to let that player – be that player, and what Lamar jackson has done is he 's basically totaled almost about four thousand yards rushing the football there 's running backs in the uh, the college football who are incredible NFL running backs, and they don 't get four thousand yards it is an insane type of player who is able to have that change of direction, that speed to be able to do it where we talk a look about like him as a passer he 's still been in development as a passer he i believe either I believe it was either a wishbone offense or didn't end up starting playing quarterback until much later. I think that when he gets into the NFL, you'll start to see some rapid development, very similar to the quarterback who I compare him to the most. I don't compare him to Michael Vick because Michael Vick was even less accurate. He was still as much of a running threat. He was not nearly as developed as a passer. The guy who I compare him to, I think that he'll be similar to, even though the body type is different, is a Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a guy who's not going to end up throwing for, you know, 67% completions. But he's a guy who's going to go out there, make the tough throws. Um, He's going to have maybe some limitations that you can see, at least depending on what goes on with surrounding him. But when you look at talking about that thing that makes him special, it's that running ability in which he'll be able to Um, just have these extra yards where even though you might throw for 250 yards in, you'll pick up another 100 on the ground. I think that he would be a tremendous pick. The big question I have with him, of course, is is the NFL going to view him not necessarily just as a quarterback because I think that they will. They'll they'll give him not just that shot at quarterback, but I think he could be under a while. The question is, are you going to be able to adapt your scheme to the player to where you're able to not just keep him healthy, but at the same time, let him be able to be that guy? And I I think it's going to take a, not just a special coach, um, but it's going to take at least a bit of mentoring. Maybe it takes a little bit of time to get him on the field, similar to like a Teddy Bridgewater um, not playing throughout a lot of his year But I think Lamar is a guy who, uh, if you take what he's done, at least in college football, and look at the next level, I think he's a guy who could excel in a lot of different ways, Um, maybe similar to how if you look at how the Seahawks have used Russell Wilson Um, with putting those legs on display and finding those mismatches. He's a guy who is ultra talented. And honestly, if you're taking a look at with ranking quarterbacks, maybe you could say because of the pro style and the recognition, the first two are the safer pick and he's a little bit riskier. This is a risk I wouldn't have a problem taking. Uh, This is a guy who I think that uh, even if you're talking about uh, questioning a lot of the different talents about skinniness or frame, I think he's going to go ahead and answer a lot of these questions during the pre-draft process. And it would not surprise me at all if he's still a first round pick. All right, uh, let's go ahead and we're going to go ahead and talk about, this is one Heisman winner. Let's talk about the guy who seems to be right now the current finalist for the Heisman and probably one of our favorite quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. That's going to be Baker Mayfield. And he has just been having a, after last year being a Heisman finalist, having an unbelievable season for college football. We're like, okay, that was kind of it. This is, this is how I felt. Was. I felt this is it. All right, he's had an awesome season. I think he's probably just going to be a college quarterback only. We'll see if he's going to have probably the downturn this year. And he goes out and expands on having one of the greatest seasons in college football by having an arguably even better season in college football. He's brought the team back to the playoffs. He's had some crazy wins as far as for being able to go out and just dominate the competition that's been out there. Uh, what are your thoughts, at least just on Baker? And do you think that he's a guy who, when looking at the, not just the off-field aside, but the on-field, do you think he's a guy who has what it takes to be at that NFL level?
2: Well, first, let's talk a little bit about his numbers. They are video game-esque, like I mentioned earlier. They are Big 12 offense at its finest. You can pencil him in for 300-plus yards passing, three-plus touchdowns in every game. He's got some mobility to his game, but he is just an offensive juggernaut in the same realm that, you know, Lamar Jackson is, but most, if not all, of his, you know, offensive production comes in the passing game, and he has been – just a complete stud for this Oklahoma Sooner program since he transferred from Texas tech as a freshman and has put up three monster statistical seasons. And I'll only focus on this year because, you know, this is the year he's going to come out shredded TCU uh, last week for four touchdowns shredded Ohio state at Ohio state for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, And again, carved up everybody else in between within the big 12 Uh, with that being said, I think the biggest thing that's going to work against Baker Mayfield is not that he is undersized, because we've seen these guys have success. The Dak Prescotts, the Drew Breeses, the Russell Wilsons, Tyrod Taylor's. We've seen guys come out of college undersized and have success in the NFL. Uh, the most successful is Drew Brees from a passing standpoint. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mentioned earlier Russell Wilson. I think is taking that next step this year as an elite. Pocket passer, and then as well as the playmaking ability that he offers, Baker has those same kind of attributes. He's got a good enough arm. He's super accurate, completes over 70% of his throws. Is he mature enough to take on a franchise and be the CEO, the guy in your franchise to be the face of your program? I don't know. I don't know that question because I had the same questions with Johnny Manziel, not to the same extent, because I do think Baker is more of a grown-up, and obviously he's put up better numbers consistently over his tenure at Oklahoma. And he could have left last year uh, and come out, I think been a mid round pick, but stayed another year wants to win a national championship for his school. The one thing you can't knock him on is he's passionate for the game of football. And we've seen some of the antics on the sideline. And to me, that doesn't bother me as much as the the off the field stuff. You know, there's a police video of him running from cops, being slammed into a wall. Uh, that's gonna scare me more than anything. And you're a if you're a college student, you've probably been in a in a situation where you've embarrassed yourself, you've embarrassed, you know, your family. It's probably not count on video, you're probably not gonna be a first round draft pick. We saw it with Laramie Tunsil in the video that came out. He was still, I think, the fifteenth or sixteenth overall pick to the, to the, to the Dolphins. But he did drop. Oh yeah. He did drop. He did drop, but he's also not the quarterback of your roster. You know, he plays offensive tackle. Baker Mayfield is going to be the face of somebody's franchise. And so he's already on an uphill climb. The fact that he's undersized, if he wasn't undersized, and we've got these concerns, I think it would be easier to accept that to sell to your NFL owner. If you're Steve Kime and you've got to go to Michael Bidwell and have this conversation, well, how big is he? Well, he's six foot. Okay. But is he a great person like Russell Wilson? No, actually there are concerns about him off the field. So why are we taking him? Well, we think he could be as good if not better than some of these undersized quarterbacks that have come out. I think he's got a higher ceiling than than even Dak Prescott uh, in terms of his ability to throw from the pocket. But I think that it will, as we're progressing through this playoff, I'm anxious to see how he does. Um, he's going to ace the off the field stuff at the combine, potentially at the senior bowl, because everybody is trained to do so. Johnny Menzel did great in the interviews. But at the end of the day, you're going to hand this guy over a multi million dollar contract. Can you trust him week in and week out to leave your franchise to be a grown up? I think with Baker, we could see a scenario if he does flame out. I think he's going to have success early in his NFL career. I think he's going to be asked to start for a team, maybe with better talent. If he's drafted, you know, let's say in the teens, and he goes to somebody, um, you know, that has stability in their organization. They're just looking for that franchise quarterback. Having success early on, what does he do after he gets that success? Uh, That would be my only cause for concern. But if I just got Baker Mayfield, the on-field product, I don't even mind, again, the uh, competitiveness you know, the crotch grabbing is an ideal, but we've seen guys like Phillip Rivers get into it with other teams. We've, we've seen Carson Palmer give, you know, the suck it sign to Seahawks fans. Hey, oh, yeah, we stuff, this
0: is from our own quarterback that we that's saw. That's right. So what are we complaining about?
2: <laughs> that's right. That stuff does not bother me in the slightest. And, and quite frankly, I think the Cardinals could use a little bit of that in a division with, with three uh, competent NFL franchise quarterbacks. I think we need something like that to rally behind. I, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, because we've gotten some stoic quarterbacks in the past like Kurt Warner, uh, where you'd never see that specifically on the field. Uh, you might see him jarring with his own coaches like Todd Haley, but Baker off the field is, is scary um, in the sense that you know he could make that one fatal decision, but I would still take him in the first round.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that he's a first-round quarterback. I, I think when you look at – and this is from looking at not just the numbers but with the film and everything that he does as far as for not just finding mismatches but showing off a, a, an incredible amount of pocket presence. And, like You'll see that Oklahoma, they've got a great blocking uh, offensive line. Those times he'll be under heavy pressure and still be able to have throws looking downfield. It's just, it's very natural for how the game comes to him. In addition to how he's able to be a little bit unorthodox and how he's able to scramble on a few plays, be able to make some of the, uh, but I also go over some of the numbers, at least for with Mayfield, just because I think we need to make a point about not just how an incredible season he's had, but just his overall career. This isn't just like a, a one hit wonder. His first game that he played in, he threw for like, I think it was like 350 yards and four touchdowns. This is as an 18-year-old true freshman. <laughs> but here's, here's just kind of what we're looking at as far as for with uh, his uh, season, where you can make this argument that he might be having the best season ever. Uh, you take a look at his passer rating. It's the best all-time that you've ever had in college football, and it beats Russell Wilson's 2011 season with Wisconsin as a like 203 to 191. Yards per attempt is better than Michael Vick when he was coming out, at least. Uh, it's better than Russell Wilson during his year as well. It's even better than his year last year. And you want to talk about with what he's just put up for the numbers this year. He's first in quarterback rating, first in yards per throw, he's second in overall yardage total. He's tops in completion percentage. He's completing like 72% of his passes. And this isn't just a dink and dunk offense. We're talking about uh, Big 12 stretching the fields, everything. Uh, he's second in touchdowns. And when you're talking about – when you're looking at a lot of quarterbacks and seeing what they might be in the NFL, what you really want to look at is like a three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio because – In the NFL game, that sometimes can shrink to two to one. The talent is a lot higher, but you want to see a player who's being productive where they're throwing more touchdowns and interceptions. Some of the guys this year for the quarterbacks have been a little more questionable with their decision making. He's throwing four and a half touchdowns for every interception that he's throwing. He is taking care of the football. He makes smart decisions. This is kind of a guy who, if you're talking about him being uh, six foot four and having maybe some less of these incidents, he's at quite a few apology press conferences, honestly. Um, I think that's kind of the biggest area at least, but unlike Johnny Menzel, who, you know, I had like alcohol and drug problems. Uh, I think the biggest difference between the two, at least just from people have talked to them, and scouts is Baker Mayfield studies his ass off. This is a guy who's gone in back and is committed to improving year in and year out. Uh, every single year that he's been in college football, he's improved. You've been able to even see it in his play this year where you can see pocket presence improvement. I think that he's a guy who if you did draft him for the Cardinals and some of that will depend on not just Bruce Arian's opinion of him. I, I think there might be actually a little bit of Bruce in Baker as far as for uh, bruce is, wasn't the guy who was a, a saint by any means. He is a guy who got kicked out of high school with drinking and mostly for covering for his friends and you look at the kind of guy who he was as far as for not making apologies, I think that there's going to be a little bit of commonality here. I think that he would be a great fit as far as not just the offense with the deep arm, but being able to extend the plays, having some of that mobility. If I had to pick kind of the favorite prospect i pick, I think that Mayfield's the guy who I would at least say that this is a guy who has maybe the highest upside um, as far as maybe outside of a Sam Darnold, as far as for maybe you're talking about size and shrugging off tackles, but that's the one thing that's really most special about him is when you look at how efficient he is as a passer and look and talk about the NFL game, I think that you can talk about with looking at a Drew Brees as a player and seeing if that's the type of kind of guy you're getting. Uh, and maybe this type of guy who's going to be maturing, then I think that that fire is going to be something you'll be able to add. So I, I think that with Mayfield, we can both are, have been in agreement about some of this about, that uh, this is a guy who maybe he's not going to get the flash or the size because of that, but he might have a guy who might have, when we're talking about it years from now, that 2012 class, you've got your Andrew Luck, you've got your Robert Griffin III. Turns out it was little Russell Wilson who you had all the signs were kind of there that he'd be able to develop, teams kind of passed on him. My hope is that uh, Steve Kime, he said even that year that he said that he wished that he had had the balls to take uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I don't know how much of that was just due to with Wizenhunter looking at all that. My guess is that if he does have a chance to draft one of these quarterbacks, if it is a guy where Mayfield's on there, I hope is that he would at least have the opportunity um, not to just pass on him and write him off because of the size. Is about it. We're going to take one more quick break on the bird game. But coming back, we'll talk about a couple sleepers. Who are some of the other quarterbacks in this class who might be available? Uh, And let's talk at least just a little bit about previewing, at least with the 2017 Cardinals. who are kind of the top fits as far as for what we know of Bruce Arians. That'll be back here in just a minute. Welcome back on the Bird Gang Blitz. Uh, we've talked over through some of the top quarterbacks. Let's get into two guys who entered with high hopes this season, being talked up as first-round picks. Uh, that's going to be Luke Falk and Mason Rudolph. Uh, let's talk a little bit about them. John, uh, first let's talk a little bit about what are you thinking of what you've seen so far from Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State? Is he a guy who's still a first-rounder, franchise potential, or is he a guy who's maybe going to go on day two or day three?
2: Well, he fits in that same mold as, you know, the big 12 video game number esque, and he is coached by Mike Gundy, who is one of the better offensive minds in college football. Uh, So can you trust him transitioning at the next level when so many quarterbacks have come out of that system? Most recently, Brandon Whedon and have not been successful in the NFL. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about Oklahoma, but we've seen Sam Bradford come in at least be you know a competent NFL quarterback. Rudolph has all the numbers. Uh, he's got over forty five hundred yards passing, uh, thirty five touchdowns. He is you know I think has a over seven hundred winning percentage, so you know he can close out games. It's a four year starter. I think he is somebody who probably sneaks into the first round, the end of the first round for a team maybe at the top of the second that's trading up and is trying to get that fifth year option for uh, their quarterback. I do not think he's going to be talked about in the same tier as Baker Mayfield or potentially Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's going to show off, you know, the kind of athleticism that you want. Uh, But again, it's not somebody I would, you know, be critical of the Cardinals rolling the dice on later I just don't know how excited I would get with a Mason Rudolph specifically somewhere around, you know, the 10th or the 12th overall pick. I did see that CBS sports had him as one of their top 20 NFL prospects. So, you know, some people are higher, higher on him the most, but at the same time, you know, I'm anxious to get into some more tape of Mason because quite frankly, it's been difficult to concentrate on his production this year when Baker Mayfield has done what he has done And the fact that, you know, they're playing in the playoff. And so, you know, just based on, you know, force of habit, I'm going to, you know, key in on him a little bit more. And I've seen Mason Rudolph for four years, and it's just much of the same. And I'm conditioned to think that that program doesn't produce quality NFL quarterbacks. So that's probably not fair to him. But at the same time, you know, he's certainly not in my top, you know, four or five quarterbacks that I would hope that the Cardinals are able to
1: draft.
0: Yeah, people talk about him and say that he fits a vertical offense, but it's more honestly that they've tailored their offense to fit the fact that they've got some very talented wide receivers at separating. Uh, it reminds me a lot of more being a more mobile Brandon Whedon is in a lot of different ways where it's very similar with how you will watch the receiver run downfield and Rudolph will toss it, and a lot of times it'll be either underthrown or he'll have to come back for the play. Uh, Rudolph has got athleticism and is able to make some moves. I think that he's a guy who I would take probably on day two Um, But I do think that the biggest thing about him is if Sam Darnold doesn't come out, if Josh Rosen, with a lot of the off-field questions people are starting to ask, people are wondering, is he a guy who's going to be able to have that maturity and leadership? Uh, Rudolph's got it in spades. And that's one thing I think is a huge positive. And that's part of, I think, that some of those measurables, especially when comparing to some of these other quarterbacks, I think that he might get pushed up as a result from some of that, and I think that's part of the reason why he's still been in the, con- in the conversation at least for a lot of these quarterbacks. Let's talk about Luke Falk because he's a guy who's had four years of starting in a Mike Leach offense, uh, kind of a spread, but he's shown the ability, I think similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, to make a lot of these different types of quick reads, fast decision uh, uh, release and being able to have put up some, again, video game-like numbers in the Pac-12. Uh, what do you think about with Luke Falk from what you've seen so far?
2: Now Luke's the, I think the reigning now defending passing yard champion in the PAC 12 That's, correct. Uh, f- That's correct. for a career, which is incredibly impressive considering how many great quarterbacks come from that conference. I feel better about Luke Falk that he played in a superior conference and he excelled in a non-traditional power like Washington state and led them to nine wins this season uh, while putting up great numbers, not as great as the previous two seasons. But again, um, you know, last year he was phenomenal 44, 44- 4,500 yards, 70% completion, 38 touchdowns, 11 picks, tampered off a little bit, but the team is better. And of course, you know, they pretty good, pretty good whipping on USC. Um, earlier this year, 130 to 27 and knocked you USC to one of their one of two losses this season. And he had a very productive game. Um, so I actually like him more than Mason Rudolph. Uh, again, though, Mike Leach is kind of that offensive mastermind at the college level. So what are we getting? Are we getting a great college quarterback who's going to be, you know, hampered by the fact that you know the offense was tailored to him at the college level, or are we going to get somebody who hopefully continues to grow and develop as a as a quarterback, even though you know he's going to learn, have to learn how to play under center, which is always a tough transition? But I would put him ahead of Mason Rudolph, and he's somebody I'm hoping that uh, attends the Senior Bowl uh, in Mobile this January, so we're able to see him again, out of his comfort zone, away from Mike Leach, and um, being able to have some success with some of these NFL coaches.
0: Yeah, he's gonna have like about 120 touchdowns, 39 picks. It's still kind of that three to one uh, ratio that you look for. I think with Falk, with Falk, it's kind of an area where the best kind of thing I can think of it is if you look at a guy like Jared Goff. I, I think Goff's arm was a bit stronger. We look at how they've had separating and, and the, but the biggest thing with with Falk is that I think he's a quarterback that you can win games with. Uh, I don't know how much you'll be able to win games because of him. in a lot of the sense as far as for being able to make up for players or when things go down, but. Uh, when players are there, he's very, very a smart quarterback. He's gifted. He's able to make especially very well-placed throws, especially anywhere within kind of that 15-yard uh, range. I think that's kind of where you look at a guy like Garoppolo. It's very, very similar. And he's a guy that a lot of teams would honestly be able to love to have. Uh, there's some questions about with concussions as far as for that. And I know he was benched for one or two times in the this game. Uh, I think that'll be some of how the medicals will shake up. Might be the biggest determinant about whether he's a guy who goes on day two, maybe a team loves him enough to go ahead and take him in that day one of the draft. Maybe it's a little too much for the quarterbacks this year for that, but I think that'll be what kind of determines him. If you start seeing him with the draft, you don't hear as much news about it, and he kind of ends up going on like round six. That's kind of when you'll know at least maybe he's taken a few of those hits. But as far as productivity goes, very uber productive. Uh, I think that he'll be a guy who's at least going to get a chance to start the NFL. Maybe it's a guy that you – won't be able to see make um, all the throws, but if you got a good smart mind, I, I think that he's a guy who's going to end up having a lot of teams look at him because uh, when, between him and Mason Rudolph, I think he's a lot more of a – even with that offense that he's coming out of, you could maybe say he's a safer pick just because of some of the numbers he's putting up with for the completion percentage attempts, the accuracy. we got a quarterback who's not just accurate, but is like able to complete seven out of ten passes accurate. And you're able to say that it's not just all the short passes. There still are mixing in a lot of more of kind of targeting guys down the field. I think that he's a guy who's elevated that program to a different level. Before he came in, Washington State wasn't really a team that – um like you had as far as uh, first quality players maybe it was in years past when you're talking about like with um oh uh, with some of the different guys i think it was it was the last one who was there at least with peyton manning but um that was probably like the last year you had as far as for the cougars had uh a great quality success. Uh, let's go over a couple of the, uh, a few of the sleepers at least for that are right here. We've got a couple of guys who are potentially could be able to declare at least. Uh, uh, we've got Jared Stidham's a guy who transferred at least. He's had a, a great year at Auburn, uh, fits that kind of prototypical size. I think he might go back for another year. Ryan Finchley is another name that's kind of um, been catching on a little bit. And then let's talk a little bit about the name that's starting to pick up a little bit more steam. And That's Drew Locke out of Missoula uh, This is a guy who he kind of fits that prototype typical size that arm strength but of course questions again as usual it seems to be about his accuracy Uh, what do you think about some of these kind of quarterbacks with some of the rise and just with Drew Locke is this a name we're going to be hearing more closer to the first or second round April or is this going to be kind of we'll hear a little bit out of build up some steam but then taper off kind of like a Tom Savage did
2: well I think Drew Locke is much more deserving of first round hype than somebody like Josh Allen Drew Locke carried a Very mediocre Missouri team in the uh, ever-competitive SEC, whereas, you know, you look at Josh Allen, who is struggling to win games in his mediocre conference. Drew Locke, I think, broke the record for most touchdown passes by an SEC quarterback this year, which is crazy to think about. He threw 43. I don't know if that led the nation. It's damn close. Uh again the completion percentage concerns me it's at 58 it's about where Deshaun Kaiser's was last year 58 59 and you've seen this year he's in the 52s so again if you're not completing 60 65% of your throws in college probably not going to do it at the NFL level mm-hmm. everybody likes to throw Matt Ryan in my face that he was under 60 at Boston College I think if you're going to use that comparison you got to use it with Drew Lock based on the fact that super competitive conference below-average talent, led them to very respectable seven wins. I'm excited to see how he does in the bowl game against Texas. Um, I've heard word that he does not know whether or not he's going to declare, obviously, but at the same time, uh, that program right now, I wouldn't be – surprised if he came back for another season to build on this and, and maybe be one of the first overall, you know, in discussion for first overall pick next year, he's got the size, he's 6'4, 225. He's put up some nice competitive games again, in the super competitive sec uh, most recently put up five touchdowns um, to just two interceptions and almost 500 yards against a quality Arkansas team at Arkansas. So uh, again, I'm anxious to see how he does, uh, Yeah, in in his bowl game against Texas, and whether or not he's a realistic option for the Cardinals in the draft
0: yeah especially if you talk about what the Cardinals were then not able to get into one of those other different options and perhaps a a little Marge just isn't going to be a possibility with Bruce Arians we saw that before with a a guy like Teddy Bridgewater that pick wasn't going to happen with Derek Carr just the the stigma of David Carr going in front of him and the fact that with with Carr he he still had some limitations I think that Locke is someone who um, outside of the accuracy he does remind me a little bit more of Carr in some of the ways as far as for just with seeing that arm strength and the arm talent and the scheme that he's played in Um, he does have a lot of downfield passes, but he also has a lot of really short swing passes. Some of the touchdown totals can come from him being able to deliver accurate balls to his Mizzou guys, and a lot of yards after catch I've been able to notice. I think it's an area where, if he came back for his senior season, similar to uh, how we saw with a guy like uh, with Baker Mayfield did this year, we could have declared for the draft. Uh, I think that in a uh, class with next year with some questions, if he goes back in and kind of puts up another year. Uh, where you're talking about, like, you know, he can show that he improves on the completion percentage. Or he can able to improve on um, maybe not throwing for 43 touchdowns. That's like an insane amount, but he's already at least been able to show that he can uh, perform at a, a, a pretty high level, at least. Perhaps there's going to be some limitations, but if he's a guy that you start to look at as saying, hey, we want to try to look at not just one quarterback, um, bring in a guy who's maybe a development, uh, a guy who you can maybe develop who could be a starter. Uh, maybe he comes in and takes the job and surprises you. Um, I think that ultimately it's going to come down to um, the fact that when you're talking about accuracy, he's a guy who's got a laser rocket arm. I just haven't seen so far from what I've uh, watched and seen from it, especially with reading up on some of the scouts, we just have not seen that that touch that he's able to be, uh, to be able to make, to be able to kind of have some of those placement of passes. Matt Ryan completed under 60% of his passes, but it was still about 59.9% for his career. We're still looking at about 54 or 55 or so for Locke. I think that he's a guy who we could end up seeing kind of hover run, but I think that that's going to be a really hard thing for NFL scouts to get around. Um, but we've seen, at least with his play on the field, he's been able to lead that Mizzou team to victory. And that's part of the, there's kind of an always a little factor that comes with quarterbacks as far as or with um, kind of, I guess you could say that it factor. Um, that comes with it I I think that's something that if he's got that then he's going to get the attention of the league and maybe it's a part where he'll be able to carve out a nice career Uh, I do think though if he goes back for another year and comes in he might be you might be looking and talking about one of the top 2018 quarterbacks looking at coming out Uh, one guy I want to at least touch a little bit on is uh, North Carolina State Ryan Finchley this is another guy and we've seen this from a couple of quarterbacks who every year it seems like you got a guy who they start off at one school and they transfer whether either it's due to opportunity or whether it's due to just there's too many guys where there are not enough snaps uh they'll transfer to a different school we saw that before with savage we saw that with nathan peterman last year he's another guy who started off at boise state to get didn't throw more than i think it was 60 passes there comes over to north carolina state and has some very efficient seasons it's able to lead a, a strong nc state team they've played a uh, very uh, solid last couple of years, not really high on the touchdown total, but he's been pretty efficient and he is eligible at least for this year. Do you think that, uh, and this is not to like to ask specifically about Finley, Finley, I don't know if you watched him, but do you think that there's areas as far as for quarterbacks, if they're transferred, do you think that that's something that if you see a quarterback transfer, does that sometimes maybe help them that they were able to find those opportunities? Or do you think the fact that they weren't able to win out, do you think that kind of hurts them in your eyes as a prospect or does it depend on the prospect?
2: Yeah, it depends on the prospect. I think it depends on the circumstance. Russell Wilson was essentially forced out of NC state after they made a coaching change. And, you know, Mike Glennon came in and and took that job over kind of de facto Uh, the coach at the time wanted to start Mike Glennon. So Russell Wilson was forced to transfer to Wisconsin was probably the best thing that ever happened to him at the college level. So again, I'm not going to hold anything against Ryan. I've seen him play, uh, that's a program I would think our general manager, Steve Kime, being an alum, is very familiar with. But, again, it just depends on the prospect and the circumstance. Uh, same thing for Baker Mayfield, leaving Texas Tech and going to Oklahoma. Nobody's holding that against him now. What are you doing with your opportunities at the new university? And uh, what kind of improvements have you made to your game? you got to remember these guys, when they're coming out, switching schools, 18, 9-year-olds, 18- 18 or 19-year-olds, they're kids. So, again, I'm not holding that against them assuming that it's nothing off the field related
0: absolutely yeah there's other names as far as for deep sleepers you can go into like I know a lot of people like Mike White he fits that prototypical size at 6'4 225 Um, some people are uh, I don't think Nick Fitzgerald is gonna declare this year he's a guy who a lot of people have even linked to the Bruce Arians type of offense but it's gonna be part interesting part of what's the Cardinals just seeing all of this um uh, as far as when we get to the draft, because I do think oh, this is the year from everything we've been leading up to. That, it would kind of shock me if they didn't take a quarterback in the first two rounds. I'm with more at least to get into this. Uh, I think as far as that, um, there's going to be arguments, I think for days, especially if Sam Darnold declares uh, real quick, let's go ahead. That'll be it for this episode of the bird gang blitz. Uh, John, where are they able to find you kind of, if they're going to check for you on Twitter?
2: I am at Johnny's football. Give me a follow. Absolutely. Yeah, and make sure that you do like and
0: subscribe. We are on iTunes as well as blog talk radio. Uh, if you do want to talk quarterbacks with me, I do a little scouting series every year. Uh, I usually wait until all the stats are in and try to measure in a lot of the different areas for, you know, if it's going to be uh, just talking about what's not just quarterbacks, looking at how the pros it's got quarterbacks and kind of applying some of my own methods to that as well. It's gonna be really fun this year because we've got uh, for the first time in a little while, it's uh, a potentially a plethora of quarterbacks and quarterbacks who've been playing, Uh, for at least anywhere from two to uh, two, sometimes even four years of college football. Uh, Thank you guys again for listening. I always appreciate it. If you've got any other questions, at least you can always hit me up at BlakeMurphy7 and follow my work on Revenge of the Birds. You have a good rest of your time, everyone. How do you feel about your office? Is it just a space for your company, or is it a space to help you grow your company? From new HQs to satellite
2: offices, with WeWork, you can find a space that works for you. Visit we.co slash space matters to learn more. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher,
1: or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.